I believe there are more instances of the abridgment of freedom of the people by gradual and silent encroachments by those in power than by violent and sudden usurpations. It will be of little avail to the people that the laws are made by men of their own choice if the laws be so voluminous that they cannot be read or so incoherent that they cannot be understood. That was James Madison, and this is Freedom's Call. You're listening to Freedom's Call on Key Radio, 89.3 Lake of the Ozarks. And now, here's your host, Brett Sterley. Welcome back, everybody, to Freedom's Call here on 89.3 KEYK, Key Radio, Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, I'm Brett Sterley, and uh, happy to have you back here. Um, Now, we have, you know, the first part of the show, we discussed a lot of the, um, the, the fiscal uh, child abuse that the federal government is is um, is committing some of the absolute just ridiculous numbers, and um, so now we're going to continue. We'll go back to um, the latest update here on uh, Joe Biden's Build Back Redder uh, plan uh, that passed the House here uh, a couple weeks back, and you know it passed it passed the House on a on a, on a pretty much a party line vote uh, two twenty to two thirteen. And, you know, this this is reported as being a two point two, I believe, a two point two trillion dollar bill. It's been ping pong ball back and forth between one point seven and two point trillion dollars. Really doesn't matter because it's actually more like a four four point five to five trillion dollar spending bill that has all kinds of garbage in it. Now, the way that they have tried to limit, uh, supposedly to limit the, the size of this bill is that they will enact, uh, programs. They'll fund programs for maybe two or three years and then, uh, you know, sunset them in the bill. But, you know, again, great quote by Ron, President Ronald Reagan, the closest thing to eternal life on, on, on earth is a federal program. You know, these things do not get rolled back. These things do not get canceled once they, once they finally, once they get a constituency that supports it and that uh, politicians can actually leverage, uh, leverage that, uh, that program to, uh, to get more votes and secure their place in the, in, in government. So some of the things that are, that are in here, I mean, there's, there's a payoff to the dark blue states with an increase in the threshold of the state and local tax deduction. Uh, currently, that's limited at ten thousand um, dollars, but uh, this proposal raises that up to eighty thousand, and so um, that limitation is uh, a limitation on how much your state and federal, your state and local taxes that you can uh, deduct on your federal income tax form. So you get in some of these some of these states, you know, like New York and California, New Jersey, some of these really super high tax states. If you look at the federal income tax rate. State income tax, you know, county taxes, city municipality taxes, sales taxes. I mean, they're in excess of 60%. Um, and so what this is going to do is allow, um, you know, basically, you know, the quote unquote, the rich that, uh, that we always are pilloried by the left, uh, that it's going to give them a bigger tax deduction. They're going to be able to, um, they're going to be able to write off more or deduct more of their state and local income tax that they or state and local taxes that they pay on their federal income tax. So this is just an 
a, a handout to um, the, the big government donors on both sides, but primarily in blue states and those higher tax states. That's who's going to benefit the most. Um, there's also protection from deportation of illegal immigrants. Now, they wanted full-blown amnesty, and um, the Senate parliamentarian uh, said that, you know, that that cannot uh be uh, be passed through a, a budget bill uh, through this reconciliation process. Um, we'll see exactly what happens here uh, because uh, you know these, these things have a have a way of of, of finding a, a back door if they can't go through the front door or side door uh, of of actually coming into fruition. Uh, four weeks of fem- federal paid family me- and medical leave uh, that that would be. Uh, a benefit to everybody that will be federally funded, um, a tax on methane, uh, and there's a whole laundry list of Green New Deal, green energy initiatives, uh, subsidies, uh, additional subsidies for people who purchase electric cars, um, subsidies for, for wind, solar, other green energy uh, projects there. So there was a really good article, um, I thought, in the American Spectator by David Catron, from back uh, on November 21st, and the it's, uh, the title is Build Back Badly. So it was House passage of, of uh, Build Back Badly proves once again that the, the Democrats are unfit, unfit to govern. So it's less than 24 hours after the Congressional Budget Office announced that the Build Back Better bill will increase the federal deficit by $367 billion, House Democrats passed the $1.75 trillion Gen, uh, legislation with no GOP votes. Uh, this bill, essentially a far-left wish list of climate and social spending boondoggles, will certainly exacerbate inflation if passed by the Senate. Hence, the uh, the absence of public support for Build Back Better. A new Harvard-Harris poll asked registered voters, do you think a $1.5 to $2 trillion social spend, spending bill will lead to more inflation, less inflation, or will it have no effect on inflation? A majority... 56% answered more. And this is Democrats and Republicans. So it's increasingly apparent that the specter of inflation is haunting the pocketbooks, pocketbooks of most Americans. According to a, a new economist slash YouGov poll, 76% of Americans reported that the price of gas has gone up a lot during this past year. And to me, I'm not really sure what the other 24% are thinking. Maybe they're riding their bikes. I'm not sure. Uh, back to the article. Uh, the survey also found that 65% had experienced significant price increases for food. Moreover, when likely voters are asked how Build Back Better would affect the nation's economy in general, it gets a thumbs down. A new survey released by the Trafalgar Group asked likely voters if the bill would be helpful or hurtful to the America's economy, uh, economic recovery. A majority, 52.4%, said that it would be very or somewhat hurtful. An, an analysis by the Tax Foundation agrees. Tax Foundation says, we estimate the new House bill would reduce long-term GDP by about 0.4% and long-run American incomes as measured by gross national product by about 0.4%. The bill would also reduce the capital stock by about 0.8% and wages by 0.3% while eliminating 107,000 full-time equivalent jobs. We estimate that the bill would result in $675 billion of accumulated deficits including interest payments during the first decade, leading to an increase in payments to foreign owners of the national debt. Okay, well, that's a whole bunch of gobbledygook. And what's that mean? Well, it means this just really isn't all that wise to do this. 
It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to decrease our, our gross natural product, which, you know, if you look at, you know, our gross natural product, our total, uh, total value of all goods and services a year, basically the size of our economy is about $17.5 trillion a year. And so, you know, we've spent that um, effectively here within the last two years. So it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's just I've see, actually seen uh, stat, st- uh, statistics to where 40% of all the money that's ever been printed has been printed within the last, I believe it uh, was showing within the last uh, two or three years, which is staggering to think of. So back to the article. So, so the, the hilarious response from the Democrats to this has been to claim that Build Back Better will somehow uh, bolster the economy and reduce affl- inflationary pressure. ABC News quotes Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer at making this preposterous claim. Want to find inflation? Support Build Back Better. Vice President Harris delivered herself this vapid assertion during an interview on ABC News' Good Morning America. So when you look at the numbers, the whole point about inflation and why it hurts is, hurts us is because prices go up. With the Build Back Better agenda, it's, it's going to bring costs down. Talk to the 17 Nobel laureates who are economists who actually have studied this issue. Now, I'm sorry, I did that without the insane cackling uh, that no doubt came with that quote. But, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I just can't do that. So, um, you know, this whole this whole thought, you know, back to me here for a second. This whole thought that spending another couple trillion dollars is going to bring down costs. That's just so total nonsense. You know, we've learned from Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman said that. Inflation is always a monetary issue. If you flood the economy with more and more dollars, that's why we're seeing this inflation now. You have more and more dollars chasing after the same amount of goods or fewer goods even with our supply chain issues that we have, then what you end up having is you end up having um, the inflation. Think about it this way. Think about that if you're going uh, to go buy a house and you are looking at this house and maybe it's going on an auction block. Okay. So um, everyone has all this money. And let's say that the, that the house is worth a hundred thousand dollars and we start off the bidding at $80,000 and it goes up, it goes over a hundred thousand dollars and everybody has all this money to spend. And then, you know, so they're a lot looser with their cash. So maybe they spend one hundred twenty, one hundred thirty thousand dollars, you know, for a hundred thousand dollar house. Well, now that relative value of that house is one hundred thirty thousand dollars because that's the price that the market put on it. So that's why we're seeing this inflationary pressure uh, across, you know, it's you know across every single sector. Um, my my son actually he had a uh, he had a he had a one vehicle accident. He's fine. Everything was fine, but in Actually, the car was mostly fine, except it did get totaled because it had some engine damage and uh, a, couple, a, a twisted frame. So they, the insurance company actually ended up, um, you know, totaling it. And the settlement came out to where he actually got it was a, a 2019 uh, Jeep Cherokee, and the settlement came out to where he actually the settlement was actually more than what he originally paid for the the vehicle back in in 2020, which to me is insane, but that just tells you if you've been out to look at car markets here recently, you know, you know, you know, this to be true that you can't find a new, new car because they're not, not enough chips 
in in uh, in circulation in order to actually make the cars work. And then if you want to, so that drives up the price of existing cars, of used cars. And so that's why we're paying more uh, for used cars. You have more dollars chasing the same amount of goods or fewer goods. So back to uh, the American Spectator article. So this talking point concerning uh, the fabled Nobel laureates is frequently echoed by President Biden. Oddly, neither he, he nor Harris bothered to mention that the version of Build Back Better or Build Back Redder uh, provided to these economists isn't the same legislation the, the House passed last Friday. The bill they endorsed was the original proposal produced by the White House by the House Ways and Means Committee, which included spending offsets, quote unquote, spending offsets in the form of tax increases, quote unquote, on the wealthy. These offsets have since been rendered meaningless by fiscal gimmicks such as sunsetting spending programs while leaving in place tax increases that purport to pay for them. Even left of center uh, analyst Ben Ritz of the Progressive Policy Institute admits this. Um, and ben Ritz says, most major social spending programs, including child care and health care subsidies, would be enacted for six years or less in the House bill. Their costs will be offset in the future years only if these programs are allowed to expire while tax changes continuing to raise, continue to raise new revenue. If every policy in the bill eventually becomes permanent, the uh, CFRB estimates it would add at least $2 trillion to deficits over the next decade. Structuring the bill around these, quote, shell games and budget gimmicks, as Senator Joe Manchin recently called them, fails to address the concerns he and other moderates have about spending and inflation. So there is a left-leaning economist that is basically saying the the games that are played in the Build Back Redder to show this $1.7 trillion spending level is a bunch of crap. So this brings us back to the article. This brings us to the fate of Bill Backrider in the Senate. It will die in the upper chamber without the support of Senator Joe Manchin, whose well-known misgivings about the bill reflect strong opposition among his constituents. A recent poll of West Virginia voters conducted by MBE Research found that 74% want Manchin to reject Bill Backrider in favor of legislation that controls spending. Consequently, unlike the House bill, the Senate version will have to approximate budget neutrality. Moreover, paid family leave and any provision harmful to the coal industry will have to go. Finally, Manchin won't support Build Back Redder if it includes any, any provision that attempts to circumvent the Hyde Amendment. Now, the Hyde Amendment is named after Henry Hyde, and that is uh, a, a specific agreement to where there will be no direct federal funding of abortions. So, in addition to getting Manchin on board, the, the Democratic leadership of the Senate will have to satisfy Kirsten Sinema, whose objection to Build Back Redder has earned her the scorn of media and physical harassment from various leftist crazies. Uh, a lot of has changed in Arizona since Sinema eked out a narrow win over Republican Martha McSally in 2018. She is not up for re-election next year, but she can't light, lightly vote for an, inflation, an inflationary bill uh, so closely associated with a president whose favorability, favorability numbers in Arizona are not merely underwater with Republicans, but with independents and suburban women who are already unhappy about the rapid increasing cost of day-to-day -day living. No amount of happy talk from the White House or congressional Democrats will mollify voters who feel the pain, the pain of foreign, poor governance every time they buy groceries, fill up their gas tank, or pay the heating, heating bills. 
nor will they fall for risable claims that these problems are the result of the coronavirus pandemic or the legacy of the Trump administration. It is blindingly obvious to the majority of Americans that the economy is in disarray and that this sad state of affairs is a direct result of ill-conceived policies concocted by the Biden administration and his congressional accomplices. Bill Backrider is just another example of their incompetence, more important or uh, more proof that the Democrat part, Democratic Party is unfit to govern. That are that again is the words of David Caton, which uh, largely I would agree with. Um, and you know, again, the Democrat Party is, you know, it seems like the Democrat Party in in D.C. is all about power, and the Republican Party in D.C. is all about trying to make sure they get good seats at the Kennedy Center. Um, they can, I mean, the, the inability to, to, for the Republican leadership in the Congress, in, in the House or the Senate, to come up with any type of coherent uh, message um, in, in, in critique of, of, of these absolutely horrible uh, economic policies um, from the Biden administration it is just it's it's just uncanny, and you know there are voices out there, you know like Senator Mike Lee, uh, Chip Roy, uh, Jim Jordan. I mean there are uh, Ted Cruz. There are voices out there, um, but uh, you know they are not in party leadership because they don't kiss the ring and they don't toe the the party line, which is uh, another good reason for Mitch McConnell to go and uh, let's let's clear the playing field. So, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back here with a uh, with a um, uh, another a, a, a story, you know, breaking out of China uh, and about a professional tennis player that seems to have been uh, disappeared as a guest of the Chinese Communist Party government. So, we'll be right back here on Freedom's Call. This important message is brought to you by your friends at Convention of States. Dot com. Talk shows in the media are constantly using words of division, hate, and questions about where our country is headed. Often these discussions leave one with a feeling of doom. In sports and business, when we get off the path to success, often a reset is needed to get back to the basics. It's time for you to get involved. Sitting on the sidelines to see what happens isn't an answer. This is the best country in the world. Let your voices be heard in a peaceful and positive way. Let's join together and get this country back to where we can all be proud again. The Founding Fathers were afraid our Constitution was fragile, and for that reason included a reset to get back to the constitutional basics they authored. Article 5 of the Constitution provides a path for we the people to amend the Constitution. Everything you need to know is at conventionofstates.com. You're listening to Freedom's Call on Key Radio, 89.3 Lake of the Ozarks. And now, here's your host, Brett Sterling. So welcome back here to Freedom's Call. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this in the, or been following this in the news. Uh, Chinese tennis pro Peng Shui uh, tweeted an allegation against a senior Chinese Communist Party official uh, last month, which would have been uh, 1st November. And the Chinese government did what they have done millions of times throughout their history, and, um, and made her disappear. And here's, here's a little bit of the background from CNN. That article reads, a Chinese tennis star's explosive Me Too allegation against former state 
leader has been muffled by blanket censorship with authorities racing to wipe out any mention of a politically sensitive scandal that has reverberated across the Chinese internet. Peng Shui, 35, a former Wimbledon and French Open doubles champion, accused retired Vice Premier Zhang Gali of pressuring her into having sex, according to screenshots of a since-deleted post from Peng's verified account on Weibo, Chinese Twitter-like social media platform. In the post, which reads, as an open letter, letter to Zhang, she alleges a relationship over an, an intermittent period that spanned at least 10 years. So what to do about these developments? I mean, specifically, you know, with the, with the 2022 Winter Olympics, in, you know, in Beijing set to begin in February, um, the, the, the Women's Tennis Association has put down their marker. Now, there's... N- there's no word, you know, if LeBron James and the NBA will step up and criticize their Chinese government masters uh, yet. To date, that has not happened here. Um, here's a press release from uh, Women's Tennis Association Chairman and CEO Steve Simon from December the 3rd. When on November 2nd, 2021, Pin Shui posted an allegation of sexual assault against a top Chinese government official, the Women's Tennis Association recognized that Ping Shui's message had been listened, had had to be listened to and taken seriously. The players of the WTA, not to mention women around the world, deserve nothing less. From that moment forward, Pen Shui demonstrated the importance of speaking out, particularly when it comes to sexual assault, and especially when powerful people are involved. As Ping said in her post, quote, even if it's like an egg hitting a rock, or if I'm like a moth drawn to the flame, inviting self-destruction, I will tell the truth about you. Close quote. She knew the dangers that she would face, yet she went public anyway. I admire her strength and her courage. Since then, Ping's message has been removed from the Internet and discussion of the serious issues have been censored in China. Chinese officials have been, have been provided the opportunities to cease the censorship, verifiably prove that Ping is free and able to speak without interference or intimidation, and investigate the allegation of a sexual assault in a full, fair, and transparent manner. Unfortunately, the leadership of China has not addressed this very serious issue in any credible way. While we know, while we know where Ping is, I have seriously serious doubts that she is free, safe, and not subject to censorship, coercion, and intimidation. The WTA has been clear on what is needed here, and we repeat our call for a full and transparent investigation without censorship into Ping Shui's sexual uh, assault accusation. None of this is acceptable, nor can it become acceptable. If powerful people can suppress the voices of women and sweep allegations of sexual assault under the rug, then the basis on which the WTA was founded, equality for for women, would suffer an immense setback. I will not and cannot let that happen to the WTA and its players. As a result, with the full support of the WTA Board of Directors, I'm announcing the immediate suspension of all WTA tournaments in China, including Hong Kong. In good conscience, I do not see how I can ask our athletes to compete there when Pin Shui is not allowed to compete or to communicate freely and has seemingly been pressured to contradict her allegation of sexual assault. Given the current state of affairs, I'm also greatly concerned about the risk to all of our players and staff uh, could face if we were to hold events in China in 2022. I have been gratified by the massive amount of international support the WTA has received for its position on this matter to further protect Ping and many other women throughout the world. It is more urgent than ever for people to speak out. The WTA will do everything possible to protect its players as we do as we do so. 
I hope leaders around the world will continue to speak out so justice can be done for Ping and all women, no matter the financial ramifications. I very much regret that it has come to this point. The tennis communities in China and Hong Kong are full of great people with whom we have worked for many years. They should be proud of their achievement, achievements, hospitality, and success. However, unless China takes the steps we have asked for, we cannot put our players and staff at risk by holding events in China. China's leaders have left the WTA with no choice. I remain hopeful that our pleas will be heard and the Chinese authorities will take steps to legitimately address this issue. Uh, well, uh, Mr. Simon, good for you, good for the WTA, good for the WTA board of directors. I mean, this is exactly what has to happen. We we have, you know, with this, you know, type of tyranny and oppression and absolutely just uh, homicidal regimes like like in China, you know, we that has to be stood up against. And, you know, our major sports organizations refuse to do it. Our major corporations refuse to do it, you know, for, for their financial interests in China. Uh, and, you know, this administration certainly is not going to do it. So bravo to uh, to Mr. Simon and the WTA. And, um, you know, this is the kind of leadership that we really need. So, um, well, that closes out another uh, episode of Freedom's Call here on Key Radio KUYK 89.3 Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, I'm Brett Sterling. Thank you for being with us, and we will see you again here next week. Well,